now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage moving and Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football on Macquarie Radio, NTS News Talk Sport. You're with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. First edition news with, well, me shortly because our mate Willem van Denveren is having a little Easter holiday. Enjoy your break, Willem. Uh, he's going to enjoy this long weekend. But to get us started after an epic week of Champions League football, highlighted by that memorable night at the Etihad Stadium, we're going to chat to our go-to man in the UK, the chief football writer of the Leicester Mercury, Rob Tanner. And then as the Wellington Phoenix prepare for their first A-League finals campaign in four seasons, we'll talk to Sky Sports New Zealand commentator, the voice of football in New Zealand, Jason Pine, on the fallout of Mark Rudin's announcement that he's leaving at the end of the season. Then with just two rounds remaining, we'll chat to our very own former Notts County man and 200 50-game veteran of the Victorian Premier League, Dean Hennessy, ahead of the penultimate round of the A-League. In the second hour, as we always do, we'll kick off with second edition news and the latest on Socceroos and Matildas Central. Then we'll chat to Chairman of the Association of Australian Football Clubs, Robbie Cram, to talk through the news this week that up to 30 NPL clubs plan to lodge expressions of interest to enter the proposed second-tier Championship of Australian Football and then all the rest of Europe with Dino. And stoppage time, Michael, there's only one football topic on our lips uh, as we speak right now. It just was in bloody credible. It was. Uh, European Champions League is something very special, especially at... Uh when we reach quarter-final, semi-final stage. It, uh, but uh, who could have thought? And let's bring Dino in. Dino's in for the opening segment as well. Dino, um, there was just... I mean, you said in our little group chat the, um, on Thursday, soon after the game, that it was the best game you've ever seen. Yeah. I thought that was a big call when you said no, that. You said I, it was the best mm, game you've ever seen. Well, I, That's Manchester City and Tottenham Hotspur. That incredible finish. It was. I mean, I, I go back, I think we've always talked about this, is when your first memory of a game where you can say, oh yeah, watch that. And that was an FA Cup final in, what was it, 1972. So from that day to this day, whether it's been live at the game or on television, this was the most enthralling game I've ever seen. It had absolutely everything. So for me, well, it's... we're going to keep our more detailed That's observations right. Michael, for, who, for for Michael, and then later on in Europe. Who's, so who's better to talk to than Michael Bridges about that? But but what a huge show, Rob! I just wanted to bring up Rabbi Crane. We're going to talk to Rabbi Crane later. Uh, as far as the second division goes, um, in relation chip to it to our show, uh, what 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 uh, what will hopefully be called the championship? Mm. We've got Dino, who's a glass half, who's a glass half full and you've got me who's a glass half empty because I just want to ask questions and find mm, details mm. because I there think is a bit be, of a I think your problem is you know too much um, those of us uh, in terms of the commercial side uh, um, Dean's if, if well, I I'm yet can to be say convinced to can stand on about the, the, the football discussion needs well, to progress guess, guess, can, I, can I just say here he is can, glass can, half well, full can, can the A-League stand on its own two feet well yeah, barely yeah. yeah. So. All right. Well, we're going to talk to Rabbi about that. Well, can I get into a bit of news before we yeah, do? Yeah, let's go into a bit of news, then we can. We okay. Can put on my best Willem voice. It was a few days ago now, but still, this obviously deserves a mention because Perth Glory are officially the A League premiers for 2018-19. A one-nil win over the Jets was enough for the Glory to secure their first piece of silverware since 2004 and their first of the A League era. They have been undefeated away from home. A remarkable. 
uh, feat given the distances that they have to travel. So congratulations to Perth. Uh, an outstanding feat. Tony Popovich, uh, it was a three-year plan. Tony Sage, absolutely cock-a-hoop. Uh, he um, has been on all sorts of media this week and, uh, and just really thrilled that uh, uh, they got the job done so quickly. Well, I mean, first of all, we must say congratulations, Tony Sage, the owner of Perth Glory, who has been tipping in and tipping in, not unlike most other A-League club owners, mm. but he's been around for quite a while. So it was terrific to see him um, celebrate with such fervour after the game. So congratulations, Perth Glory. I think they've been fabulous all year, and they've been mm. fabulous for um, uh, Australian football and the Socceroos too, because they've they've uh, they've brought on a few uh, emerging Socceroos in such great form. And, and Tony Popovich, he's a good coach. Now, we're going to talk to Jason Pine, as I've already indicated, but uh, an emotional Mark Rudin has apologised to Wellington Phoenix supporters after announcing... Why would he apologise, Rob? Well, I think he's, it's the, the, the nature of the man. He's, he's an emotional man who, who feels things deeply, and, um, and he's, uh, despite a lifetime in football, um, not uh, uh, um, immune to the fact that he knows he's hurting people by making this decision. So he so, signed a two-year contract, and he's leaving after one to, argue, to uh, potentially go and coach Western United in hmm. Melbourne. Yeah, well, uh, I, I, he's not I the first person to break a contract. No, of course he's not. But but look, what would football be if the fans weren't angry? I mean, they're, they're entitled to be angry because they're football fans. They don't need to be reasonable. They don't need to uh, judge know? this on on its merits. They just need to Does he need love to apologise? Look, I think once you, I mean, look, coaches get we, sacked, we, we do they? get sacked, yeah. No, but again, it's it's, <laughs> this is, it's very rare and, that and, and a coach sacks a club like Rudin. And, and sometimes mm. get sacked and don't get paid out either. Mm. So, but anyway, that's PFA thing now. And now that's where I'm a glass half full, mm. and he's a. Glass because I reckon some coaches don't deserve to get back. I, I think mm. moralistically, I think he would be feeling it because he did commit to two years, but that dynamic of that travel from you know mm. Wellington to Sydney where he lives, mm. I can see all sides of it. So, I mean, I think what he can do, though, is he can keep them playing like they were up until about two or three weeks can ago. Can there be a Wellington Phoenix Adelaide United grand final? It's with two sack coaches. Possibly. Well, not sack, but dividing well, coaches. We need to look yeah. at the, the way that... Uh, the final sort of yeah. goes, but maybe that's possible. Yeah, absolutely. Now, three of Australia's greatest servants have called time on their career with Alex Bross, Carl Valeri and Matt Mackay announcing their retirements. All three retire as dual A-League championship winners with Valeri and Brosk having also won an FFA Cup. Mackay and Brosk lead appearances for their respective clubs with Mackay also part of Australia's 2015 Asian Cup triumph. Uh, Valeri was an integral part of Australia's 2010 World Cup campaign and spent much of his career in Italy in the City B. So, uh, you know, we can't afford to lose these big names, but um, time marches on and uh, time does march they get on. replaced by the next wave. But how good players. are they all? I mean, I'm going to... They've all done well. Uh, I'll give one memory. Matt, Matt Mackay, 2011 Asian Cup in Qatar. We lost to Japan 1-0 in the final to an unbelievable volley mm. that to hit the top corner. But I'll never forget Matt, Matt Mackay's uh, tournament was unbelievable. He set mm. up, mm. I think, about eight goals, uh, assists. He was he was fabulous. Um, and Ange Postacoglu put a lot of... Um, a lot of uh, weight on Matt Mackay and uh, and trusting him in that uh, trusty midfield position, the number six. What about you, Dana? You've got, who's your favourite Alex, Alex Brosk memory? Oh, Brosky. I mean, I've, I know Brosky really well because he's best mates with Terry McFlynn. Um, but, most probably going to a party with them. <laughs> fancy dress. Um, that's most probably the best memory. But no, just... That's uh, for the unplugged no, version the best, of Box The best Box. memory for me was sharing... It was the, the Melbourne Victory um, Sydney final. And mm. uh, we were, luckily enough... Uh, Notice he says we... we. Well, it was myself, my son, Matt yeah. and Richard were with us and uh, spent all night with them and it was fabulous to celebrate it with them. Brilliant. Absolutely. And you, Rob, what's your Carl Valeri uh, moment? Uh, sad, sadly, it was the, the grand final that he didn't play in. I yeah. thought that was uh, um, one of the, the most um, ill-considered decisions in the history of the A-League where... Uh, 
you know, he was not only um, not allowed to play, but not allowed to go out and, and take the trophy. I thought that was really dumb. So, so I know he's being lauded for all of his glittering career, and there's lots of other highlights. But unfortunately, that's something that stands out in my. What about mind. his uh, tribute to his father in in the press conference? I thought it was mm. absolutely yep. fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Sydney FC could bring Bobo back to the A League as the former Golden Boot winner continues to languish without a club. 42 goals in two seasons saw the Brazilian win four trophies with Sydney before a Turkish club, Alianza Spor, paid 750000 for him just nine months ago. He failed to find the net in his time and having left the club is now chasing unpaid wages via a FIFA appeal. 34 years old, a good fit back at Sydney. Brosk out, Bobo in, not a yeah, bad upset. With, with a little Alfie uh, running oh, around. Oh, what, a, what a little, <laughs> that would be quality. Absolutely. Great replacement. Yeah, okay, bring back Bobo. All right, and to briefly touch on one of the stories that we're going to expand on very, very shortly, but uh, Christian Eriksen has declared he must be one of the luckiest guys on the <laughs> Yes. after Spurs scraped past Manchester City in the Champions what? League thriller. Uh, a seven-goal classic uh, that saw Spurs progress 5-4 in our group, but it was his stray pass, which he should have put into Rosette, that led to the disallowed goal, but uh, Man City's dreams of an historic quadruple were crushed after it was ruled out. So, gentlemen, we will talk about that very shortly. So, after the break, Rob Tanner, Chief Football Writer of the Leicester Mercury, next on Box to Box. Box to Box. The Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King, the king of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box, and when we talk football in Europe uh, on this show, there is only man, one man who's our go-to man, and that is the chief football writer of the Leicester Mercury, Rob Tanner. Rob, welcome back to Box to Box. Thank you very much for having me back. Mate, now, um, you uh, had the pleasure of, of watching uh, these great games you know in the evening so for us it was a 5am um, kickoff with uh, daylight savings having kicked in so my story is that I woke up at 4.30 I was streaming talk sport thinking oh, I don't want to turn the, the vision on my screen so I'll just listen to, to the, the uh, Liverpool Porto game and then I'm hearing goal 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 so I just had to get up and turn it on it was what a night it would have been well worth you getting up at the yeah, in the wee small hours to, uh, to watch some of the uh, the football in the Champions League because we're getting to the business end now and we really are being treated with some fantastic football and the big names are coming to the fore as well and we're getting some shocks and we're getting VAR controversies mm. as well. You're getting your money's worth at the moment. Absolutely. So to touch on that particular game um, that we're referring to uh, at the head he had, uh, so, uh, so Spurs came into that game uh, with a 1-0 lead and uh, Raheem Sterling quickly rubbed that out and you thought, OK, it's just going to go according to script uh, how far City, but Song Hyun Min steps up and uh, uh, Harry who? Oh, exactly, exactly. And this was happened uh, earlier in the season as well when uh, Kane was out with an injury and it was Son that stepped up um, to the plate and delivered then and uh, he's doing the same now for, for Spurs. That was a sensational performance from them. Obviously, there's, it's tainted a little bit with the, uh, the VAR controversy around the... Uh, about the handball goal, was it handball, was it not handball? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, to go to, yeah, to, I think there was a bit of arrogance on Man City's part in, from the first leg where they didn't really push uh, against Spurs in that game in the first leg. And you thought they must have felt really confident they could overturn a one goal deficit on home soil. And the way they started, you know, they, they, you thought, well, yeah, they were, they were right to be that confident. Um, but Spurs just stuck in there and, and uh, to keep coming back and hitting back when they went behind it. It's a fantastic performance from them. I do feel Man City were probably England's best chance of taking on Barcelona and winning the trophy. 
Um, but you can't you can't take anything away from from Spurs now, and they've got a, a Champions League semi final to look forward to. Uh, Rob, it's Dean here. I actually did get up, but I, I did get up. Uh, uh, after but, five minutes. But, no, I didn't actually. I got up and, and they said, look, it's just started, Dad, and I'm, I'm upstairs and I'm trundling down. You know, I'm getting a bit old now, getting down those stairs. And I got there about two minutes in, just parked me bum on the couch. And then the next thing, you know, it's uh, it's Sterlow's gone and scored. And, and what a crazy first 20 minutes. I mean, you just couldn't, you couldn't hang on to your seat and sun, sun scoring. And uh, I mean, I just couldn't believe two goals in three minutes. It was just chaos. It's two sides that um, know what their strengths are, and that's attacking and scoring goals, but they leave the back door open. Oh, they do. <laughs> they were both taking advantage of that. And, uh, I mean, I think that's probably why the Premier League is the most entertaining or other league in Europe. I mean, people talk about La Liga and Barcelona, the strength of Barcelona. Not so much Madrid this season, but in previous seasons, obviously, the amount of times they've won the Champions League. Yeah, they are the elite um, clubs in European football, but the English teams deliver entertainment. Um, it's the way that they play week in, week out. And when you get them paired together in European uh, football like that, then you you know hold on to your hat sort of thing. It's a um, thrilling ride to watch them go at each other because that's how they play. That's how the fans demand they play domestically as well. And um, I think that the whole of Europe would have been entertained by that game now. And, uh, and the way Ajax have gone through the tournament as well and some of the shocks they've produced, it's going to be a fantastic uh, semi-final as well between two sides that nobody expected to get this far. No, on the, on the game, like I think there was a key moment when Sissoko went off and there was a decision to be made. And I think they were trying to bring one of the younger lads on, one of the 18-year-olds, I can't think of his name, but he was he was starting to look like he was getting stripped. And then all of a sudden, he just tactically changed it and brought Laurenti on. And the actually, 34-year-old. And actually then dropped Deli Alley into a bit of a deeper position. And to be fair, Deli got caught a couple of times. Uh, you know, two or three times where he, you know, because he's, he's he's all right in that final third, but in, in, in right on the edge of your own box, a couple of little times they, they they escaped a little bit of a scare, but with the VAR, I mean, the one thing with it, you know, and I've looked at it, I haven't seen the angle from behind with the handball, but I've seen it from the front, and it just looks like his arms in the right position and it's hit his hip. That's the way I saw it on the replay. Well, that's exactly the uh, what the referee saw because the angles that we've since seen of it striking his arm from behind the goal, they, those images weren't available to the referee. Right. So when he reviewed it, he only saw what you saw yourself. So you can understand why he uh, made the decisions he made. Um, if he'd had perhaps if he'd had the other angles, he might have made a completely different decision and it could have been a completely different outcome. But this is the big debate about, about VAR: yeah. when is it going to be used? How is it going to be used? How thorough are they? You know, are they going to give every image available to the officials? I mean, it's coming into the Premier League next season. There's got to be some concern about it. It's, it's inevitable that it's going to come in. Technology will, it has to come into football and to uh, correct the really obviously poor decisions. Um, but it's being used at the moment for the very dubious ones where, you know, it could go either way. And, uh, and it's still sometimes it's still very much one person's view of what they're seeing, which can be a completely different opinion to to somebody else as well. So it's, it's still a little bit of a lottery about it. It certainly will not change controversy. There will still be controversy in football, and there's a lot of people in Europe at the moment saying it's too early for this at the moment. They haven't got it polished enough for it to come in. But um, and I think we saw in the FA Cup semi-final as well with the uh, Dini. Uh, penalty, you know, there was mm. a lot of VAR looking at that as well, and eventually they got they made that decision. It was a penalty, and it, and that, again, it was another match deciding moment. And 
Mm. So I think you know, next season we're going to see a lot of VAR controversies. Well, we've had our fair share here. Uh, you know, we play our grand final as as well as the premiership in in the A League, and uh, and VAR did ruin a, a grand final hosted by Newcastle in front of a full house when Melbourne Victory won that game. So it's uh, it's a sour a taste uh, that um, that's um, never going to go away for for the for fans of the Jets up there. Uh, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to Leicester Mercury's chief football writer Rob Tanner about the Champions League of this week, and uh, and whilst um, Maurizio Pochettino is um, the man of the hour. Uh, Pep Guardiola, he's, uh, does he lose a little bit of his luster? He's won the Champions League twice. Uh, um, in reality, uh, he was brought to the club to, to win this thing and uh, the, the dreams of the quadruple are over. They might not even get the treble. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, um, the momentum uh, they had, I mean, that's obviously going to be a massive blow to them now. And over the last few years, obviously with all the investment that's been going in at Man City, there was always a sense that the Champions League was a little bit early for them. They weren't quite ready to go on and win and challenge for that. But that, in the last two seasons, and, more, and particularly this season, that has changed. There was a perception that they can go on and win it. They can take on Barcelona as an, you know, the, the elite of European football, and they can win that trophy. They've squad's good enough. They're experienced enough. Um, Pep's had long enough to get his feet under the table and, and map out how he wants Man City to uh, proceed in the future. If he keeps failing, then I think, you know, even all the trophies he's winning, it's remarkable uh, that you even think this way, but this is how football works now. They want that Champions League. Um, yeah, they, want, they, like, they like winning the title. Um, the FA Cup won't mean a, a lot to them. Um, Snyder Ace at the Charity Shield is, a, is the fifth trophy of the season, but that's just a glorified friendly, so you can't really claim glory on that one. The Champions League is where it's at for Man City if they want to be a European superpower. And this will be a big, big blow for Pep. It sure will be. And uh, he's got a, a, an opportunity to get a, a little bit of revenge um, this weekend because um, they uh, they are going to host uh, Spurs again on, on uh, well, it's Saturday night our time at 9.30pm, the, the early start um, over, over your time. So um, it's, um, geez, I, I, who would miss that game? Exactly, yeah. If you're going to see uh, another performance, like another game like we, we saw uh, last night, then you're in for another treat. Where do you think uh, Liverpool are at, Rob? I think they're flying again now. That was, I mean, they've, they've marched to the semis now, though. They've got the biggest test of all in Barca, and Messi's on fire at the moment, really is performing. Um, um, we saw against Man United how easy they, they swept Man United aside, really, in the quarters to get to the semis. They, they are the real deal. It looks like they're going to be La Liga champions. They're taking advantage of the fact that Real Madrid are, are off colour this season, and uh, that they are the favourites to win the Champions League, so... Um, you'd, think, you'd think, though, that the winners of that semi-final, whoever they face in the final, should win it. Massive favourites yeah. to win. Yeah, should be. They're, they're, they're both fantastic teams, and uh, Liverpool is just the attacking intent on Liverpool. But the big difference between them and Man City and Spurs, Virgil Van Dijk, having a, a dominant centre back like that, he can shut up shop for you as well. That's, he's been, mass- been, the he's been massive, hasn't he? Yeah, I agree. Huge. Well, He's worth every penny of the 70-odd million they spent on him. Oh, without doubt. Now, the other, the other team I think we need to just, just have a good little touch on is Ajax. I mean, it's a, it's a famous old club, um, but they've got a really good mix of young players like the boy Delit, the captain who's 19 years old. Uh, they've got some really good experience. And even the, the boy Tadic has is, is, is rediscovered something, hasn't he? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of Monaco a few years ago when they had yes. these talented young players. And they were marching uh, towards you know, the Champions League final, and they were 
they were looking a great side, but then all their best players got kicked off at the end of that season. So there must be a sense with Ajax now, they won't be able to resist the big hitters when they come with their checkbooks in the summer. And uh, so it's a case of now or never for them uh, if they're going to um, really push on. I mean, they've had some fantastic... Knocking out Real Madrid was, a, was an amazing achievement. Knocking out Juve... For me, he's an even bigger achievement with uh, um, you know Ronaldo at his pomp. Again, he always comes good at the, the business end of the season, but even he couldn't inspire uh, Juventus to overcome Ajax. And they've been fantastic against all the odds. So I, it's a bit of a romantic story there. Um, you know, the famous uh, club and big name in European football history. Uh, he's having uh, such a fantastic run in the Champions League now, and uh, but I think inevitably they'll see three or four of those those young lads move on in the summer. And the final question on this: that um, Manchester United uh, still in the running for Champions League place uh, for next season, but uh, how quickly the tide turns? Uh, you know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, he's uh, the all-conquering hero one minute, and and now uh, we're hearing rumblings amongst the fans that why did Edward Woodward have to sign him so quickly? Why didn't he wait till the end of the season? Uh, is he the man for the job? Well, he, he did superbly when he was the uh, the caretaker manager. So he deserved a chance. Um, to do it, it's finding it. The realities of that squad it is limited. Uh, you know, you've, you've got some players like Sanchez that just don't look interested. There's got to be a huge clear out in the summer. They're going to have to spend a lot of money to get uh, even close to uh, challenging with the uh, the rest of the Premier League elite. Um, there's a lot of work to be done. I think the idea was to get make it permanent now, so uh, to remove any doubt about what's going to happen in the summer, so they can tra- uh, target their transfer. Um, targets now and, and try and get some business done early doors. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, that bubble, that, that, that good run they were on before, that's burst a little bit now and um, they're finding it tough again and uh, they're being a little bit exposed uh, in certain areas on the pitch and uh, the same old problems that um, were there before. You know, just when you change manager, it doesn't change completely everything at the football mm. club. It takes a bit of time and the problems are still there in terms of certain individuals that need to be moved on. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Rob. Look, uh, uh, thanks again for joining us on the show. Uh, I'm making the bold prediction that the Champions League final will be a Spurs-Liverpool All-England affair, um, and uh, and you'll be bringing the, the, the great old trophy uh, home one way or the other, mate. Brilliant. I hope so as well, but I've got a feeling Barcelona are going to be too strong for Liverpool. Yeah, if old Lionel gets going and uh, Louis... Uh, uh, Chompers Suarez um, is uh, is informing me. It's pretty hard to stop those two, isn't it, mate? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And Coutinho. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's written, isn't it? It's, it's already written. There's too many Liverpool players at Barca that could, <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> could ruin it all for them. Oh, God, exactly. What a, a couple of games that, that uh, we have got coming up on the 1st and 2nd of May. Rob Tanner, you are the best, mate. We love having you on the show, and uh, we know from the feedback that we get from our listeners that, that, that they love listening to you too, mate. So uh, thanks again, and we'll talk to you again real soon. No problem. Thanks, guys. From uh, the UK to across the ditch, we're going to talk to the voice of football in New Zealand, Jason Pine, about the Wellington Phoenix. She's uh, Mark Rudan. He's uh, yeah, he's done so yeah so well over there, but he's not going to be there for uh, next season. But uh, we're going to find out just how well, if not uh, how poorly, it's gone down over there in New Zealand. Next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe- for Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, the king of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport, and we introduced Simon Hill as the voice of football in Australia, but the voice of football in New Zealand is 
Jason Pine, Sky Sports New Zealand's Jason Pine. Welcome to Box to Box for the first time, Jason. Yeah, g'day guys. Great to be with you. Yeah, absolutely outstanding. Yeah, mate, look, uh, we um, closely watch the Wellington Phoenix um, and, and, and we advocate generally. I know there's some differing opinions uh, around Australasia, but uh, uh, the importance of a New Zealand uh, component in, in the A-League overall. And we've marvelled at uh, just what uh, uh, Mark Rudin's been able to do with the club since he, he took over. Uh, but um, sadly, it's only going to be one season because he's, he's heading off um, at uh, the end of the year. I think sad's the right, uh, the right word to describe it off the bat. It's, um, it's most unfortunate that um, having had, you know, such instant success as, as coach of the club that he's not going to see out the second year of his contract. Um, look, it hasn't come as the greatest surprise in the world. The news obviously confirmed by the club on Monday. Uh, Mark Rudin himself spoke to the media yesterday, and um, and yeah, it was a it was a pretty solemn sort of a media conference, if I'm honest. Um, you know, I, I don't think this has worked out. What well, certainly hasn't worked out the way that. Uh, that Phoenix fans would have hoped, and I don't think it's worked out the way that Mark Rudan would have hoped either. He came here with the best intentions, I believe, of of, um, of being here for two years, of his family coming over and, and living with him in Wellington, and and of uh, seeing how he could um, how he could go, you know, building the club to some pretty impressive heights over those two years. Um, he'll go back after the one year. Um, lots of rumours linking him with the new Western United franchise. Of course, that remains to be seen. But yeah, I think uh, the, the overall emotion over this side of the ditch, guys, is that we've enjoyed having him here and we're very sorry to see him go. Well, I guess what he has done is is to show that when managed well, that the club is a viable going concern and that football in New Zealand, as we watch closely, obviously, uh, on this side of the ditch, we're watching the Socceroos, but uh, the All-Whites uh, exploits over the past decade or so have been... Been, you know, on a par to to our very own, and uh, and we know that the depth of, um, of football in New Zealand, in relative terms, is uh, is equal to that of, of what it is in Australia, as well as as the culture. And uh, it's uh, it's a matter of uh, getting the right people in the organisation to to get the most out of it. Uh, and you know, while a lot of the fans are going to be disappointed, it is football. We know it's a brutal game. If he was going no good, he'd be sacked anyway. So uh, you know, sometimes you got to get in first. So uh, what's your feeling on on the next steps uh, for the Phoenix? And, and who might they draft in to, uh, to take up the cudgels? Yeah, well, it's a, a really good question. I, I, think, I think initially, um, as, far as, the, as far as the team's concerned, they'll be focusing on nothing other than finishing this season well. You know, what seems to have kind of been forgotten in all of this is that, is that Wellington Phoenix will play finals football for the first time in four seasons. So they'll be focused firmly on that. As far as the, the owners and the board are concerned, yes, of course, they'll have to uh, start actively recruiting. Look, I've heard a few names bandied about, but all they are are names on a piece of paper. If we look for the qualities that they'll be looking for, I think what they what has been shown by Mark Rudin coming over and doing so well is that a knowledge of the A-League and of football in this part of the world is absolutely crucial. And if we compare and contrast that to the previous boss, Daria Kalazic, who came with a European background and no real knowledge of all, at all of the way things work down this side of the world, you know, it, it just didn't work at all. So I think we're looking for a, if not a, an Australian or a Kiwi, then certainly Certainly somebody who's got A-League experience. I've heard um, Warren Joyce's name mentioned, but I see uh, in the last couple of days that there may be an extension on the table for him at Melbourne City. Marco Kurtz is another guy whose name I've heard bandied around, but um, once again I'm hearing that maybe it's back to Europe for him. So 
Look, maybe we're looking at uh, guys, you know, and if, if Mark Rudin's success at Wellington has proven anything, it's that State League in, in, um, in Australia can be a really good stepping stone towards A-League success because, you know, we, we know how well Mark Rudin did it um, at Sydney United and, and the success he had there. And he, he's been able to translate that into the A-League and, and largely through driving that culture you talk about. The Wellington Phoenix's roster isn't demonstrably better than a lot of the other, other A-League clubs. And in a salary cap league, that's probably a natural thing. But he's managed to drive a, a very positive, committed, determined culture through that mm. team. And, and I think that is the quality that whoever takes over must display in spades because um, it's, it's been a big part of the success at Wellington Phoenix under Mark Rodan. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to Sky Sports New Zealand football commentator Jason Pine. Jason, over here in uh, Australia, in particular in Melbourne, um, those connected in football have pretty much been saying forthrightly for at least six or eight weeks that Mark Rudan is going to coach Western United next week. How does that sit with you? And um, you, you referred to the press conference uh, a couple of days ago um, as being sombre and solemn. Um, how does that information uh, sit with uh, people in New Zealand? It's a great question, and I think the, the answer is um, in, a, in a couple of different ways. Look, for starters, we all we all know that Mark Rodan's going to be going to coach somewhere else, and and as we've all been um, you know been led to believe by a number of different sources, Western United seems the most likely destination for him. Look, he's clearly an ambitious guy who wants to coach at A League level. I mean, the reason that he's leaving Wellington is is that he is, um, has been unable to convince his family to to come to Wellington and, and be alongside him and. And anybody who's got a family knows how difficult that is to to try and you know to try and function without your your nearest and dearest around you. It just hasn't been possible for him to convince them to come. I I, I honestly believe that he came to Wellington with the best intentions of of staying for the two years of of getting his wife and two boys over here and of um of settling in Wellington even for a short period of a couple of years. That hasn't happened. So I guess now over this side of the ditch, people are saying, well, if he's going to go to Melbourne and his family are in Sydney, then how does that solve that problem? My understanding is that Rudan family would be far more um, open to a move to Melbourne from Sydney than they ever were to a move uh, to Wellington from Sydney. The Rudan family can make any decisions they like around the way that they live their lives. Uh, look, it, it has gone down a little bit negatively with some people. Everybody can understand the family side of things, but the fact that um, that there is another gig waiting for Mark Rudan, I think, is, has not sat particularly well with with a, a section of, of Wellington Phoenix fans, and, and it's left um, a, a little bit of a sour taste in their mouths, I guess you would say. Um, having said that, look, I st- he's still very, very um, well-respected over here for what he's done for this team. And, you know, regardless of what happens from here, whether they get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs or whether they go all the way or somewhere in between those two things, I think he'll be, he'll be highly respected for what he's done here. It's just a shame, I think, for some people that, um, that it's, it's ended prematurely and will probably, by the looks of it, end up with uh, with Mark at another A-League club. Jason, um, just to change tack for a moment, the, the team's been obviously doing exceptionally well, and we're all looking forward to see what they can uh, they can muster up um, in the finals. Um, but just um, something that popped up uh, that we all noticed uh, a few weeks ago was the chairman of the Federation in, in the ongoing sort of media speculation and dialogue made some comments around uh, the tenure of A-League clubs, the nine Australian-based clubs out to 2034, but... Wellington Phoenix only 
um, a season or two away. So um, what are you hearing from the club in relation to their tenure in the A-League um, with um, the independent A-League uh, on the horizon, you know, the demutualisation from it from the FFA? And is there uh, a, an expectation that the tenure will continue or is it uh, something that uh, the alarm bells are starting to ring? I think the uh, the club and its supporters and uh, and anyone connected with the club are, are basically hanging their hat on on an independent A League because under the um, under the existing structure um, the metrics that were given to Wellington Phoenix to to meet to get the next part of the license extension as we understand it um, not being met so the last guaranteed season for Wellington Phoenix in the A League is next season the 2019-20 season beyond that the future of the club is not secure. But if the timeline around the um, the independent A League is, as I understand it, that may well come in, you know, if not next next season, then then the season after that, and and in their own briefing document, those behind the proposed independent A League specifically said that the existing licences uh, must be protected, and they even named Wellington Phoenix in that document as one which they all fully supported. So I think if there's an independent A League, then the Wellington Phoenix's future is secure. If there's not an independent A-League, and, and it doesn't seem as though we are going to go down that track, it looks as though the, the independent A-League will happen. But if there's not one, then I think the future is far more tenuous. And, and that's another thing as well that, that, that um, you know coaches, players um, have to consider. If, because at the moment, as well as recruiting uh, a new coach, the, um, the Wellington Phoenix have only got six players contracted for next season. So there's got to be a bit of player recruitment done as well. And with that uncertainty, um, even though it is lessening now, um, it's still there and, and it makes it just that little bit harder to attract people to the football club. So a long-winded way to answer your question, I think there's, there's relative confidence that the Independent A-League will sweep away that uncertainty. We would just like to see something, I guess, that's a bit more concrete and maybe something that's a bit more uh, guaranteed rather than just you know some broad philosophies. We'd, we'd quite like to see something written down or, or guaranteed, I suppose. Yeah, Jason, look, thank you. And, and while your answers are detailed, that's exactly what we want, mate. You're a passionate football man and, uh, you know, it's all well and good for... Uh, we love your work, uh, Jason. Yeah, for us to sit here <laughs> and talk about, uh, you know, Australian teams in the A-League when they're football people equally passionate you, about the game. There are a couple of boys running around in Wellington who are arguably the best players in the A-League at the moment. Yeah, no, it's it, well, this is what we want to see, a successful, not too successful Wellington Phoenix. But, uh, <laughs> 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 so, uh, totally we right. are Aussies after like, all, mate. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and like, I think like, the, the A-League works best when there are, when there are 10 strong teams and, yeah, and yeah. we'll be 11, we'll be 12. And, and look, we've been in the position over here of being not anywhere near the finals. And this year, there's been a sense of excitement. We've enjoyed the fact that here we are approaching uh, the end of the season and there's going to be football to look at and to enjoy in May mm. for Wellington and and, and look, we enjoy very much being part of the A-League. I think it's a, it's a brilliant competition to develop young Australian and New Zealand players. The standard is improving every year. The imports, I just love watching the imports add what they can to the league. And it's been great fun. And I, I really hope it doesn't end for many, many more years yet. Yeah, well, we hope so as well, Jason. Hey, mate, we'll resume this conversation on another day because Kiwis don't do second-rate sport any more than Aussies do, mate. So there's a lot more <laughs> in uh, this conversation, mate. So uh, thanks for coming on the show. Great pleasure, guys. Great to chat. See you later. Jason Pine. That's a good yarn with Jason. So we're going to get into more of the A-League. Uh, two rounds to go, the penultimate round. Dino's got it yep. all covered. Yep, stick around. Right after the break on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you the Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, the king of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. Uh, we've talked uh, 
A bit of A-League already with Jason Pine around Wellington Phoenix, but we've got two more rounds to go. The finals are decided. We've already congratulated Perth Glory on winning the Premier's Plate. Uh, so uh, we're just going to prognosticate on a, a little uh, of of what's happened and what will happen uh, uh, because uh, the, um, the 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 scene looks interesting, particularly with Sydney um, knocking off Perth um, midweek uh, at, uh, at Jubilee Stadium in that game that was transferred from the SCG. But before we get into that, Dino, we're going to talk about the flu. And we're going to talk about our friends at Chemist Warehouse. Uh, I was talking to my mate Rutan Farakawa, who uh, heads up the uh, the media and marketing division, uh, just a powerhouse of a man, uh, Rutan. And uh, he, um, with uh, Joe Baresi, another friend from the head office, and I have been coordinating flu shots for all of the Macquarie media staff uh, around the network, around the country, and uh, and also a lot of the the on air team. Uh, and uh, the the value of having the flu shot was brought into sharp focus for me today when I was listening to our friends over at uh, 6PR in Perth where Jane Marwick uh, was talking to Michelle Gillet about uh, the the flu plague that hit 6PR earlier in the year <laughs> where people were doing double shifts and all sorts of things because there just wasn't enough people there. So you've got to get your flu shot. Uh, it takes about three weeks to kick in and then it gives you a good three weeks coverage, uh, three months coverage uh, after that. So now's about the time to get it because if you get it around now, uh, by the time winter really kicks in, your coverage is really going to start because uh, it is what you need to, to just feel healthy because people say they've got the flu, mate. They might have the man flu, but you know the flu when you got it. It <laughs> absolutely knocks you. Out, uh, it does, doesn't it? I mean, fair enough. Yeah, got, you might have a cold or a sniffle or whatever, but the flu is absolutely not what you want to get. So at Chemist Warehouse, it's quick, it's convenient, it's affordable, plus you don't need to bring in a script. The prescription and administration are provided on-site by a qualified health professional, and this year the quadrivalent strain is just $12.99 at Chemist Warehouse. Save the journey time between the chemist and the GP. Just book online. Book your appointment online. That's all you've got to do. And then turn up. Be confident. Arm yourself with a flu vaccination from Chemist Warehouse. Book early at chemistwarehouse.com.au forward slash flu and you will be protected this winter, Dino. Thank you, Rob. It's, uh, it's round 26 and for the very, very first time, to my knowledge, in having done the A-League segment, is that when you look at the draw, the 27 rounds are drawn out of a hat and they play mm. out from round one to 27. Mm. Have we ever seen that we're going to preview 1v2, 3v4, mm-hmm. 5v6, and then it's 7v9. It just misses mm. out 7v8 and getting 9v10. You like these statistics, I love these Dana. little... It's really weird. It's you know quirks of little quirks of football. Of we almost got the whole trifecta, or whatever <laughs> you want to call it. And we do apologise to Jono as well. Because yeah, we, we do. He was going to come yeah, in this did. week, and uh, but his old man Jason said um, there were some family issues that prevented that from happening. No, that's fair enough. Family comes first. Mm. Now, obviously the but the Sydney win um, oh, really throws. I mean, look, uh, maybe Perth um, coming off um, a little bit of a high. Um, uh, Sydney scored you know, relatively early in that game. Uh, your mate Alan yeah, Lafondra, 37 minutes yeah, I love, in. Uh, I love Adam, he's a top man. But, um, you know, Perth did uh, huff and puff, but uh, but really Sydney looked to dominate that game from well, start they don't, to Well, they didn't really... I mean, I know Popper's not going to just put the cue in the rack, you know, because you need to go into finals yeah. with form. Yeah. But um, I think it was more important for Sydney FC that they needed to make sure that they have that top... Sp- you know that top two spot uh, and with obviously Mel 
Melbourne victory breathing right down the neck. So, I mean, we all, the good news is we all tipped Sydney, which was great mm-hmm. news. Yes, we so did. we're all delighted about that. So at least we got that chalked on the board. That was a brave, uh, I thought, a very brave move on our part. And, uh, I know. Edge was always going that way, wasn't he? Yeah, of course he was. But, but um, we, we thought we, you know, we might follow that way. Well, I think the fact that, um, look, look it, it's getting strategic towards it the is. end of it the season. It is, it gets a bit tasty. And we know Edge is the master tactician, as has been happening tonight. I mean, here we're trying to do a radio show, and he's pulling strings like yeah, the marionette puppeteer that he is all over the football it. world. It, uh... So, so we've got we've got some really good games. So we'll rattle through them. But it's 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 four v three. Mm-hmm. Um, and what does four three? Sorry, what does four v three mean? It means that Melbourne Victory is still going to be pushing really really hard to make sure they get a result. Uh, and it's important in regards to them pushing um, Sydney FC. But Adelaide, 38 points. Even if they won, they're not going to get into any higher spot. They're just trying to get points now to stay mm. in that top four. And I think that gets you the home final mm, mm, mm. In, in, the, in the first game. So that's what's up for states there. I think, I think Victory will go there and win. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, I am prepared to... Uh, um suggest that victory in nine games out of ten yeah. would win that game. But not this week? No. I think it's going to be a draw. Draw. Um, okay. I, I think there's just enough around United and uh, the fact that that, that yeah, club no, I get that. generally, um, in terms of uh, the, the spirit that they've displayed... Would this be the Gaffer's last home game as well? Well, it it may well be. So so what have you got? So We've got 27 next right, week. Yeah. I haven't checked the schedule for Yeah, but week. if they finish fourth, they're going to get a home final. No, I just they? mean, so, let's say it could be technically... Mm. Well, they'll get a final, mm. but it, it could be that as well. A bit of sentimental there. But they might not get the final, depending on the results. I mean, there's there's only that one point uh, separating them from Wellington and, and uh, Melbourne City. So so those, those teams in particular, you, you know, victory have got... They're, they're, they're playing a knockout final in week one, no matter what but uh, but they've got the guarantee that it'll be played at home so it's just a matter of you know it could be a melbourne derby yeah and 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 city as we know um have like any derby been known to lift and um and geez imagine victory getting knocked out in week one. Oh no can you imagine it now, obviously, Brisbane Raw, uh, Newcastle Jets. Okay, so did we make our selections? Oh, we did. Well, I've, so... I've de- Edge has definitely gone for um, victory. I'm going to go okay. for victory because I think mm. they, they want that mm-hmm. uh, for that, that point of that yep. uh, finishing third. And then, um, and then obviously, you've gone the draw, the brave draw. So, Brisbane Raw, uh, for me, I reckon Brisbane Raw, I reckon this could be a draw or a Brisbane Raw win. Newcastle, mm. I think, well, they're not going to make the finals now. Yep. So, I'm going to go bold. I'm going to go draw. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go uh, Brisbane. I think now that the Jets' uh, season is over, I think they, they've um, they've uh, um, they've run their race. Uh, it's been a disappointing season for them. They, they would be the most disappointed, I think, of all the clubs after the way their season ended last year, and uh, you know all the talk of, uh, of fighting back and yeah. uh, and 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 doing something after you know um, being uh, you know effectively ripped off in the grand final thanks to the VAR yeah. uh, fiasco. Now Central Coast uh, Western Sydney Wonders, I think it's a pretty 
pretty straightforward. I think Western Sydney Wonders in a good good enough form to go and win for yeah, me. Yeah, and, um, and we've got to talk about that new Bankwest Stadium soon because the uh, Parramatta Eels are opening it on uh, on Monday and um, and the Wanderers are going to be going into the absolute best, best stadium. stadium in this country. So they want to go so. flying. So are you going mm. definitely uh, Western, Western Sydney? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, comfortably. I mean, the Mariners, uh, you know, they're, they're not just absolute whipping boys these days, but, um, yeah, I think... Uh, I think the Wanderers win that one. And the last, very last game of the season is Welling for, of for the, the round, Weeds, yeah. of the round rather, but certainly their last game. Probably the match of the round. Yeah, I um, think so. Yeah, with 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 the context of what could mm. happen, um, I, I think Wellington. I think Wellington at home. Mm. Will do it, even though he's leaving, and they'll they'll leave it. But they but but they're they're playing for that um the potential of that spot. Um, in um, in you know, the home, home final, final. Yeah. exactly right. right. So that's what I'm going. Yeah, well, I'm going with Wellington. What did you pick? Uh, he did. He gave it the same. We're all Wellington. Okay. All right. All right. Well done, Dino. Okay. We've got a big get next hour coming up. We've got uh, obviously um, Socceroos and Matildas Central uh, um, in uh, in um, the opening uh, news of the hour. But then we're going to have a chat to Rabbi Crane. That's um, a conversation that we're all looking forward to because uh, you know Rabbi and his uh, role as the uh, chairman of the Association of Australian Football Clubs is leading that charge for the championship, the uh, the Tier Two, the V League, whatever you want to call it, um, and uh, and. 30 clubs lined up to uh, to bid for that. So we're looking forward to, to that conversation with Rabbi. Lots more in Europe. We'll detail a bit more on Champions League and the EPL and Championship. And then, of course, we will wrap it up with stoppage time. So stick around. Heaps more on Box to Box. Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage moving Welcome back to Box to Box, second edition news very shortly, including Socceroo Central, chairman of the Association of Australian Football Clubs, Rabbi Crayham, to talk about uh, the ongoing and emerging detail around the story of uh, the championship, the B-League, whatever you like to call it, the second tier of Australian football. Dino and I will get, chat through Europe and stoppage time. So, so Michael, um, he's like the uh, the Scarlet Pimpernel this evening, <laughs> he is, isn't he? So he is. he's uh, he's coming and going. Uh, he's got uh, pressing uh, international commitments. I think um, you know Johnny Infantino just can't get um, quite to the, of him. No, he can't. So he's just got to be on that hotline to you Switzerland. Just can't get enough. You just can't <laughs> get enough. <laughs> exactly. So Socceroos and Matildas Central for the Green and Gold Army join the Matildas in France for the 2019 FIFA Women's World. Cup with the Green and Gold Army. That is going to be some kind of trip for sure. Now, Sam Kerr and Caitlin Ford have started their US seasons with a bang scoring on the first weekend of the National Women's Soccer League. Kerr opened the scoring for the Chicago Red Stars and also hit the woodwork in the 93rd minute in what ended a one-all draw against North Carolina Courage. Ford scored on the stroke of halftime for Portland Thorns before setting up another at the start of the second as they cruised to a 2-0 victory over Orlando Pride. Now, Claire Polkinghorne and Ellie Carpenter also played four matches for Houston Dash and Portland, respectively. In Norway, Tamika Yallop put in a full shift for Klepp in a 3-0 win, while Avia Luke... Uh, came on in the 68th minute in Levant's 4-0 win in Spain. Now, Socceroos style, Tom Rogic and Maslowongo both found the net for Celtic and Queen's Park Rangers, respectively. Rogic scored the third in Celtic's 3-0 Scottish Cup Some strike as well, Rob. Absolutely. Some just strike. whipped that in, didn't he? It was fabulous. Uh, a win over Aberdeen. Luongo scored the final of four goals against Swansea, a win that eased the Rangers' fears of relegation. And finally, there was a rare 90 minutes for Mila Yedinak, who played in defence in a 2-1 win over Bailey Wright's Bristol City. So, plenty of news... Um, 
on the international front, but uh, it's really all about the Matildas right now, isn't it? Dino? It is. Look, they all seem like they're in uh, in good nick at the moment. Uh, you know, just listening to that with Sam Kerr and Caitlin Ford. Um, it's it's interesting. I, I wonder how different the US league is to our current W league. Well, if you're judging, uh, we, we were talking off air earlier on about the uh, uh, Major League Soccer compared to the A League, and you know, and the golf indifference. Uh, quality not only on the pitch but um, in terms Crowd, of you know, the crowds etc so um, you would I, I did look at the at the wages and and, and they're still well down you know there's something around the women's this, wages yeah, in, the, around, in the US yeah 10 yep. to 20 percent total okay. um, you know something under 40,000 US um, as the average player payment so so whilst the the um, the public level of interest is quite high and the, and the women's uh, national side is uh, um, one of the the great US national sides of any sport so uh, the the dollars are, are not quite there yet. Well, I, I, I played over in America in mm. 79, 80, 81, and a bit of 82. Mm. Um, you know, but, but obviously I was a younger man then. Um, and the soccer for women there was massive. It was it was not quite as big as the men, but mm. I'll tell you mm. what, it wasn't far behind them. And every single team used to have a women's team way back then. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, I guess that's the thing, isn't it? When you look at empty stadiums in our leagues and um, and you just contrast the population of Australia compared to the United States, uh, you know, it um, it's a long way to go before we get there. I, I look, I just think we need to keep on on our journey. And, uh, yeah, no, and me too. It's uh, yeah. one of those things where I know Edge, you know, talks about himself as being half glass empty, but uh, but you've got to have visionaries. You've got to have people who can see the future and uh, and that they um, are not. Uh, they're not threatened by the fact that um, there is a lot of the detail that's going to be have to be worked out along the way. They've just got to get started and yeah, believe and have passion doubt. and commitment. Well, nothing's, well, nothing's ever going to finish if it doesn't start. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, that's exactly right. All right, so uh, Ajax, their giant killing runs continued. I know uh, we will talk about that um, a little more, um, and we touched on it briefly earlier, uh, after knocking off Juventus in the second league of their Champions League quarterfinal. Cristiano Ronaldo scored early for Juve. He just pounced. You know, he just saw that ball coming into the box great, and, great got his, and got his head on the end of it. Um, but from there, it was all Ajax with Donny van Beek and Matisse Delit finding the net Ajax, who won the last of their four Champions Leagues in 1995, will now face Spurs. Spurs. Now, just on that, this uh, Delit is 19 years old and captain, yeah. and yeah, yeah. he scored the the winner. Yes, and but he was partly at fault, he thought for himself, mm-hmm. but with the Ronaldo goal because he didn't really track it the yeah, way he thought yeah. he should have. Which is it's magic when you can come out and say that as a captain, say, look, I'm responsible, so I felt like I needed to do something. Son, you were playing on Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> Oh, well, I don't think it'll I don't think it'll phase this boy. No. This boy's quality, yeah, and they yeah. are fabulous to watch. Well, it's it's um just like uh, the Italians have been off the ball in recent years. The Dutch have as well, and uh, you know the Germans are going through a phase as well. The the quality of countries uh, like that doesn't uh, take long to reemerge. Did There's you just... watch much of that game? Yeah, I did. They I dominated did. Yeah, possession yeah. for so long, yeah. and good football. There was mm. one move where they just went through yeah, yeah. like butter through knife. So look, mm. I think it's I think it's going to be a cracking uh, semi final. Yeah, exactly. Now, Matt Ryan's Brighton are officially in a relegation scrap they after are. going down 2 0. We're going to talk about that a little bit more to Cardiff City. Brighton have not won in the league in a month, and they hover just two points above the drop with five matches to play. Cardiff, with four to play, sit 18th on 31 points and must face Liverpool and Man City in their run in. Nevertheless, manager Neil Warnock remains confident that they can overhaul the deficit. We are alive and kicking. We've got to do the best we can. Just what's gone wrong with Brighton, Dan? It's, it's fallen. Just... 
somebody said, you know, like he's been there and done an unbelievable job, which he has. He's got them to the semi-final of the FA Cup this year. Uh, they were competitive last year. Um, I just think they just don't score enough goals. And 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 in, in the in the past, like Matty Ryan, I, I wouldn't lay any blame certainly at his feet. He keeps them in games all the time. But the performance that was most probably the most damning for me was the Bournemouth performance, where they were just totally indisciplined. Uh, you know, getting men sent off and they got mm. beat comfortably 5-0, which I thought was then the springboard for mm. Cardiff to go mm. there and keep their season alive. And and, and, and again, they, they looked second best there. And mm. Cardiff was really, really deserved to get the 2-0 win. Mm. And, mm. and for me, it's exciting because, you know, when you look at the run in now, now it's every game's going to be tight and bright and have a much tougher run. Mm. Than uh, than Cardiff did. Well, we're going to find out a lot more about Chris Hutton. He was, uh, you know, one minute he was being uh, touted as the, uh, the the coach of the national side over there, and now he's going to be lucky to keep his job. So uh, if he keeps them How up, how it then... turns quick in football, Rob? <laughs> as we all know every does week, turn. doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, sure it does. Now Paul Scholes has been charged by the English FA with misconduct after allegedly placing 140 bets on football matches. It's been a bad run of late for Scholes, who resigned as manager of his boyhood club Oldham United earlier this year after just one month in charge. It's believed the bets were placed between 2015 and January this year, prior to his time at Oldham. Now, Dana, you know, can you tell me why we are, uh, are not allowing people to bet if they are not playing or managing? I, I, I don't get it. I mean, it's you know, everybody bets. I mean, I and we know, we know even in our domestic football here, mm. whether it be A League, NPL, you can't bet mm, on mm. certain things. Mm. You know, most of the, but on football, I, I don't think I've had a bet on football. I don't, you know, if mm. I'm when I have a little. You know, flutter. It'll be on one of the GGs. But for me, if it's got nothing to do with the game, mm. and for me, why can't you do it? It's different if you're talking about your own team or a mm. game you're playing in uh, against an opposition. Then mm. yeah, I would have offence to that. But um, again, I think they just put the rules in there just to say you just can't do it, so they don't get tempted to possibly mm. do it. Yeah, I guess it's the thin end of the wedge, isn't it? It's um, it's all about probity and uh, and management and a bloke of his stature. Um, if he knows what the rules are, then mate, they are what they are. Yep. Uh, now wrap it up with uh, a great story here. Mo Salah's been named Time Magazine's 100 in Time Magazine's I 100 saw this. most influential people in the world. Salah used the platform to express the need for greater gender equality in the Middle East. Uh, quote: We need to change the way we treat women in our culture. This has to be. It's not optional, he told Time. Salah was one of just six athletes in the list and was described as an iconic figure to Egyptians, Scousers and Muslims <laughs> the world over. And uh, who, who could say more than that? That's, um, uh, and uh, did I mention that about a year ago... Um, I was uh, was over there. Have I mentioned yeah, that? Yeah, I, I think you did, Rob. I think yeah. I think you were. Well, I don't mind bringing it up now because <laughs> it, it's it. Well, as we come up to Easter, uh, um, it it was on Easter Easter Saturday that we were at Stamford Bridge, Thomas, my son, yeah. and I, and then um, and then the following Wednesday. That, that seems that, like months ago. Not, not it a does, year doesn't ago. it? Yeah. yeah. And uh, and just to to see to be in the middle of the cop uh, as Mo Salah scored two goals and to to watch the reception that he had. Uh, yeah. So you could really those scousers they. Just absolutely love it. Well, even if you just looked at the game last week, Mm. uh, it was a lovely little bit with Mo Salah Mm. and um, and uh, Eden Hazard Mm. after Mm. the game because they'd obviously been teammates when Mm. uh, Mo Salah was at Chelsea. Yeah. 
But the crowd was unbelievable. Yeah, and yeah. the strike from Salah, what a strike. Yeah. Unbelievable. The two goals were quality, but this was just unbelievable. Yeah, because he's been a little bit scratchy this year. He had, I mean, he's uh, in good form uh, now, yeah, Rob, yeah, let me yeah, tell you. He's yeah. coming right prime at the right time yeah, of the year. Yeah, and, and look, and a lot of people have said that, that you know, because he's been double and triple teamed at times, that uh, and I, I do concede that injuries, argument. And yeah. his injuries, the World Cup thing as mm. well. Yes, of you course. Know, there was a lot, yeah, you know, yeah, there's a yeah. lot of mitigating circumstances. And, mm. you know, it's, it's really tough when all the top players have mm. a little dip. There's got yeah, to be a yeah. dip and it could be at home, it could mm. be an illness, it could mm. be a little mm. niggly injury. Mm. But the old saying, cream always rises to the top and this yeah. boy is yeah. absolutely at times unplayable. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Dino, well, um, that's a wrap for uh, News 2. We're going to talk to Robbie Crane, your mate, um, soon, Dino. Yeah, Robbie. I think he's you see sort of Edge sort of lurking out there in the yeah. control booth uh, <laughs> making a very important phone call. So he's going to come back in and have a yarn with Robbie. Before, you just have uh, to tell Yardy he can't speak just for a couple of minutes anyway. Yeah, sorry, Johnny. Mr. Infantino, it's, uh, it's just <laughs> going to have to be um, a, a later call to wrap love that conversation it, up. Love it. All right, stick around, Robbie Crane. I'm next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. And uh, the last few years, we've talked and talked and talked about promotion and relegation and the second tier, the B-League, the championship. But it's starting to come closer. And this past week, we heard that up to 30 teams will be, or 30 clubs, existing clubs, will be putting their names forward for that second tier. And the chairman of the Association of Australian Football Clubs, Ravi Crame, is right in the middle of all that. Welcome back to Box to Box, Ravi. Thank you, gentlemen. Look, looking forward to having the chat. Yeah, so it's um, it's exciting times, isn't it, that we're, we're actually starting to have far more substantive conversations about the detail around the next level. Yeah, I think when you consider 18 months ago, uh, you know, when we first launched our bid, everyone said it was never going to happen. Uh, and now we're talking about the clubs are going to put their hand up for it and it's actually getting a lot closer. G'day, Ravi. It's Michael here. Um, thanks for joining us on the show. Um, my first question is, um, I, I immediately think towards the, the players. Obviously, a second division, There is uh, the PFA has been pretty outspoken about it, the need for it to be full-time, uh, not NPL on planes, I think they, call, they, they uh, call it. But in terms of what these clubs can pay players, and a lot of agents have said to me that, players are expecting a full-time salary and a salary that would be competitive to what they might be able to achieve outside of playing. In terms of the elite pathway and standards and so forth, are clubs able to pay a minimum wage to players to make the environment full-time and will that be a uh, key criteria associated with uh, anybody who may be admitted to the championship? Look, I think one of the things that we've spoken about is having a player sort of indication of salaries of around a million dollars for the squad, which, you know, if you're talking about a squad of 20, 25 players, gives you an average salary of around 40000 45000 I think also you've got to look at the balance of the squad, you know, the age group of the squad. So, you know, you'll have players earning a lot more, you have a lot of players earning less. No doubt between ourselves and the PFA, we're a lot closer to what we believe, you know, a salary should be. But also, I think it'll also allow market forces will dictate what that's going to be as well. So remember, the championship is about giving the players the opportunity to go to the next level. It, it is the stepping stone uh, to what potentially will be a position for them in the A-League or an opportunity overseas. So it's important we provide the right environment, but there's no doubt one of the key criteria is the clubs have got to be run professionally. There's no doubt we want the clubs to be professional run. And 
with the threat of promotion relegation from the championship down to the third tier, the NPL, you're going to find the clubs will want to do that anyway. Absolutely. Rabbi, um, obviously there's a lot to do with the A-League and we've seen currently uh, the, the dialogue around the um, the establishment of the independent uh, governance structure, you know, the separation from the FFA, then obviously the, the next cap of the, the expansion over a number of years to maybe 16 teams. There's a lot of work to do there. Um, I'm hearing from A-League club owners that that should be a priority rather than the second division. I mean, how do you address that uh, type of uh, dialogue that's sort of leaking from A-League clubs at the moment about uh, priorities in the game and A-League expansion should be a priority over uh, the establishment of, of the championship? Well, you know, I think we're in a position where we can do two things at the same time. I've no doubt the A-League club and the FFA are dealing with the biggest structure in relation to the A-League. That does not stop us from pursuing a second division, putting that structure right, which we have been now for the last 18 months. So, you know, I don't think that the priority is about getting the game to grow further, and a successful championship is only going to benefit the A-League. So I think there's no doubt we could do two at the same time. We've got the skills, we've got the resources, you know, and they're two different working groups. But ultimately, the structure of football in Australia has to come together, whether it's from the A-League down to the championship, down to the NPL, and I think that should be our focus is to get to the level, get it, uh, the championship up and running, and we'll maintain that. Yeah, Robbie, it's Dean. Um, welcome aboard. Uh, Thanks, Good mate. to have you back on the show. Um, with regards to the, the 30 applicants or potential applicants, are there any clubs in there that are not established or like the new setups? that have been looking at possibly the A-League and then they're thinking maybe we're not quite ready for that but they might want to put an application in for the championship. Oh, look, there's no doubt there's obviously got a, you know, the, a lot of existing NPL clubs, the bigger clubs, who, and that's from every part of the you know the country, who have indicated uh, once the expressions interest come out for the second uh, the championship, they'll put their hand up for it. But there's also been inquiries about other parties. I mean, I think Team 11 have shown it very clearly that they would like to put their hand up for, a, for a, an opportunity in the, in, the, in the championship. So I think once the formal process of expressions of interest go out, Dean, I think we're going to see, um, you know, a lot of you know, a lot more than what we originally thought of people put their hands up. But I think what we've got to make sure we do is that we're not just creating franchises for the sake of it. There's no doubt the heart and soul of football, you know, at the, you know, is, is that second tier is the, is, is clubs. And we've got to make sure of that. Uh, you've also got regions who don't have NPL clubs. For example, if you look at North Queensland, they don't have an NPL program. But then ideally, there's, there should be a team uh, in regional Queensland. So that will be that will come up uh, from within the football community. I think a successful championship is driven by the football community, not by uh, you know made-up franchises. This is Box to Box on NES News Talks, but we're talking to Robbie Cram about the second tier, proposed second tier of Australian football. And as you say, Archie Fraser, you know, who uh, you're working side by side with on this project, um, has, has said that um, that the appetite for, for manufactured franchises seems to, to be over. And, and why would you do it when you've got the culture of Australian football through the existing clubs and, uh, and ready-made bases? Uh, one of the things that I liked... Uh, uh, about the news during the week was a, a couple of the proposed models for uh, for the promotional phase that uh, uh, there was talk and is talk about promotion without relegation in the early phases. That that, that sounds like an attractive model that um, that the current A League clubs might um, uh, feel a little bit better about um, promoting. Well, I think you've got to be able to you know to, to create an environment about well, how many teams do you start with. I mean, ideally, we want to end up 16, 18 teams in the championships and. You know, originally you will see whether we end up with 12, 14 or 16, well, time will tell. But there's no doubt that you want to get to a, a level 
uh, and you can't do that through promotion rather than relegation. You add to it, and and I think what the the exciting aspect is if there are teams within the, within the championship who have their aspiration to go to the A League, and then they can meet the criteria that's got to be worked on um, to get into the A League. Um, you know, they should be given that opportunity. But I think there's a lot more work to happen. I think the key what we've got to get to is deliver at the championship. Uh, make sure it's um, financially viable, you've got the right structure, given the right opportunities, and then I think you're going to see the game will go to the next level. The A-League will flourish because there's something underneath it, because at the moment there's nothing underneath the A-League. Rabbi, the A-League independent governance structure is going to look after, so we hear, uh, A-League as well as W-League and the Youth League, so they're looking after the three elements of the game. Will the championship have a, a women's program and will it have a youth program? Oh, well, I don't think we'll have a youth program. I mean, the youth program is the NPL. We're not about to recreate the NPL, I think. There's no doubt the teams who... But all those clubs, champion. championship clubs, will have youth teams, won't they? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, and that they've already got them already. So they don't have to reinvent them. They've already got the clubs. They've already got an, they've already got an existing junior development program uh, that's currently operating. Uh, there's no doubt we do want to... We see an opportunity to create a a second-tier women's competition. Obviously, the priority at the moment is to see what the expansion of the W League, but there's no doubt we do need a second-tier uh, women's program underneath the W League, again, to give the girls the same opportunities as the men. And I think that's very important that we capitalise on the growth of the female game in Australia by giving more girls the opportunity to show uh, their talents. There's just At the moment, there's not enough W League teams in Australia to cater for the growth of our game. Obviously, the A League's a, a geographic league. It's got uh, spread in population bases to help underpin a broadcast product to make it uh, appealing to all parts of Australia. Uh, when we finally get down to a promotion and relegation model, how does that geographic spread fit with the modelling that you've done? What is the uh, reality of um, promotion and relegation from A League to the championship eventually when we have uh, regions that uh, may require to you know to be held in to underpin broadcast interest well i think if you've got a national second division there's your international there's your national broadcasting i don't think you could once you get to a truly promotion relegation you can't say clubs in this area are for promotion relegation i think you've got to allow the market forces dictate as long as you've got a very successful second tier competition which the championship is aimed to be that's what you want to get to i you know i don't believe you can manufacture promotion relegation without having everybody in the same basket with regards to the stadiums of these clubs uh, when they come into this uh, into this league if you look at the, some of the modeling that's been done at the a league a lot of them are, are renting their grounds and they're paying a heavy heavy price for empty seats especially in the current climate. Will we have in the B League, or Championship as we're calling it, will we have the opportunity to have clubs at one own their own stadium and they've got to have a minimum of X amount of seating? Uh, so it's a professional product uh, that, you know, when it goes on to television or live streaming or whatever it goes on to, it's a really, really good look. Absolutely. I mean, you, you've got to have a professional product and you've got to have the, the right environment to cater both the players uh, as well as the spectators. And I think... You know, most of the NPL clubs, the bigger clubs, have that already within their own environment. I, I think the beauty of some of the games you've seen and the attraction of the FFA Cup games has been those small boutique facilities that the major NPL clubs have that create a great atmosphere, whether they've got, you know, 1,000 or three or 4,000 people. I, I think we don't want to get to the stage, you know, we're dictating the clubs, you must have this and that. I think most importantly, the facilities have got to be right. And most of the clubs that we're talking about, who are talking about the hand, have already got the facilities. And I think we just want to... Rather than adding a cost structure to them, we want to see those facilities enhanced. And I think this is where it allows us to put greater pressure on governments at all levels to enhance those facilities because we need more 
facilities between that five ten thousand people rather than any more facilities of twenty thirty thousand people. Hey, Ruby, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's great to be uh, getting into the detail of the conversation, and uh, it, it just seems like uh, the uh, the time is starting to to tick just that little bit quicker until the uh, the fateful day when we're uh, we're all celebrating uh, the the next level finally. Uh, emerging as a, as an actual competition and um, and and setting the uh, the, the stage for uh, the ultimate promotion and relegation that uh, that we're all aspiring to. Uh, uh, Rabbi, next time, uh, mate, hopefully we'll uh, we'll be hearing more about the actual submissions and um, and mo- add a little bit more detail. Well, I'm sure we will, guys. I think we're a lot closer to that date uh, than most will think. Excellent, Rabbi Crane. Talk to you next time, Rabbi. Thanks, guys. All right, stick around, boys. We're going to get back to Europe. I know we've uh, been talking uh, a lot about what's been going on in Europe this week, but uh, there's a lot more to come this week because uh, it never ends on the wonderful world of football around this globe of ours. So stick around on Box to Box. That is all coming up after the break. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS News, Talk Sport. Uh, well, we've talked already at length about the uh, the Champions League with our mate um, Robbie Tanner, but there's a lot more going on in Europe. And uh, we're going to get through all that because uh, there's just a well, less than a handful of games of Premier League matches, and there's lots in the Championship, uh, and that's all coming up. But before we do, we want to talk about our friends at Storage King, the great men at Storage King, the great women at Storage King that make up the kingdom of storage because they are the absolute best in the business. There's a lot of competition around in this country right now, and with the population growing, real estate has come off the boil a little bit, but it's still very expensive, and people, you know, they can't necessarily afford to sell in the area they live in and buy another place. So uh, you need to declutter your home and uh, and get the space back, but you just can't uh, bring yourself, and people don't want to um, get rid of the... Uh, Memories of a lifetime, whether it's their own memories, Dean, or whether it's their families, mums and dads, no, grandparents, right. and uh, all that sort of thing. Business, so many businesses, they would not be able to do what they do and succeed the way they're succeeding without the cost efficiencies of running storage and having ready access to stock and, uh, and equipment and plant. Tradies uh, moving around from one side of the city to the other, they can't leave all that expensive uh, equipment for their trades in the back of, uh, of vans and, uh, and utes um, out the front of their home or their apartment overnight. Sometimes it needs to be stored closer to the site. So the place they go to, Dino, is of course... Storage King. It is the place they go to, Storage King. The kings of storage moving in more. Go to storageking.com.au. That is the website. That is where you'll find your nearest Storage King. All sizes catered for easy access, as I said, high security premises. Boxes, packing materials, they've got it all at Storage King. And I'll tell you what um, has got it all is football because it never, never ceases to amaze you. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, you can have Hollywood and the movies and uh, multi-billion dollar sets and superstar actors, but the actors that I like are the ones that run out onto that green pitch and, uh, and just we don't know what's going to happen. Well, where do you start? I mean, the, the, there's a whole. I mean, we've got. We could speak in this segment alone mm. for hours, but mm. you know, it, it's always a tight show. Like we, you know, and I know our listeners like that. It's, hopefully, it's nice and punchy. But the Champions mm. League, um, is there some surprises? Well, I guess there is. Um, it started all on the the second leg, um, and obviously Barcelona uh, were playing Man United, and and they had that one nil lead and. 
Man United started the game very well. They had a, a couple of the bar after I think 40 seconds, another half chance. But then it was just calamity from the sixth minute. Uh, two goals from Lionel Messi, who's absolute genius, six in the sixth minute and 20th, and uh, Coutinho in the 61st. So really, overall, 4-0 on aggregate. It looks like it was a, a walk in the park at mm. the end, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, the, the second game, Juventus against Ajax. Now, this, this one was really interesting because... It was all tied 1-1 over uh, in Amsterdam. Uh, but going to Juventus, um, unbelievable performance by Ajax. They've got some really good players, none better than their uh, captain, De Litt, who's only 19 years old. Uh, and Van der Beek got a goal after, you know, in, in reply. And that the good thing was it was a real quick reply to mm. Ronaldo's mm. 28th minute uh, header. And then obviously the, the the result then goes in for the and it comes back to that you know scoring away from home and, and getting and then in the end the end they win two, uh, three two on, mm. on aggregate and it's an unbelievable scalp you know with Ronaldo mm-hmm. and and most probably an aging Juventus mm. um, and it's most probably Ronaldo's you know I think he moved there purely because he wanted to continue the dynasty. Well, Gianluigi Buffon would have um, been wiping his brow after uh, going out with <laughs> PSG, would. wouldn't he? He would. That would have been his worst nightmare to see. Uh, and not that he would have admitted it. Juve uh, winning um, without him uh, between the. Uh, and, and then obviously got the Porto Liverpool. This was mm. most probably the best tie for Liverpool. Mm, uh, mm. They got they got a lot of the work done. Two mm. 0 at home in the first leg, but the other way leg they were well. You know it started off pretty. You know 26 minutes Mane. Then it went to Melito got an equaliser. Then there was Salah on 65, mm, Firmino mm. on 77, and. Van Dijk, who I think is absolutely a revelation at Liverpool mm, in the mm. 84th, and it's you know it goes 6-1 on aggregate, and it yeah. just looks an absolute sailstorm. But I think you know in the show prior to this segment, and you know after it's been covered really, but mm. for me the game in my lifetime it's the most probably the best game I've ever seen mm-hmm. is the Manchester City Tottenham 4-3. It had absolutely everything. Goals galore. Um, four goals in the first 20 minutes. Sterling on four and 21. Son, Son Heung-min, who I absolutely love. They play so different when Harry Kane's there. And it's mm. weird because mm. Harry's good when he's there. Mm. But the dynamic is just different. They, mm. They're mm. just more cavalier, go at pace. It really, I think um, what it does do, it, it just puts that rubber stamp on Maurizio Pochettino. He's, he's and, uh, and, and, and I know we talked with Rob um, Tanner earlier on about this, but uh, but it's going to make those Manchester United fans a little bit more uneasy about the fact that uh, that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been Got signed job, up for yeah. three years. And uh, when, when Maurizio Pochettino was the man in the hunt, because, uh, you know, if he hadn't have been signed up, uh, then the um, oh, fair dinkum, what price Maurizio to, to name his own price? No, I agree. I mean, look, he's, he had no money to spend in two windows, um, and it's like... Well, that's it. You compare the depth of the squad and the money that's been spent on City versus... Uh, 700 you know, the, the, million the oily to... Rag, so oily rags, so rag. Yeah. So, uh, Loriente, um, who then did come on as substitute, scored mm-hmm. what was a really an all-important goal 70, on the 73rd minute, and uh, Spurs, unbelievably... Mm-hmm win mm-hmm. on away goals so yeah, yeah. it's going to be Barcelona Liverpool and Tottenham against Ajax in the semi-finals so mm, yeah. the Premier League's hotting up and I've most probably looked more Rob at 
the bottom of the table. Because mm, mm. in midweek, there's been a couple of results that's gone not the right way for Brighton and Alvin. No. Um, they lost 2-0 at home on Tuesday night. Um, and I think it's one of them where, if you look back to their Saturday performance where they lose 5-0, mm. there's, there's some writing on the wall to a really rampant Bournemouth. And now if you look at the run-in, Brighton's got Wolves away, Spurs away, Newcastle at home, Arsenal away and Man City at home. Mm. I can't see anything other than something possibly at Wolves if they're still licking their wounds from their FA Cup semi-final loss or possibly Newcastle. But Newcastle, very robust. Mm. They won't give them anything. But Cardiff's run-ins, Liverpool at home, Fulham away, who are already relegated, Mm. Palace at home and Man United away. You think if Cardiff can get four points from those four games... Uh, then, um, then they... I I even think three. I think yeah. it could even be just three points, and they they could be safe because it just looks like they're in free fall. You yeah. Know? So the bottom the bottom the table there, it's obviously Cardiff uh, on 31, Brighton on 33, Southampton on 36, and then you leave Newcastle at 38. That that they're not going to be in that much form where they're going to go and win two games in a row. Mm. So for me, it's really still a three horse race. But really, more so, I think, a two-horse race between Brighton and Cardiff to join Fulham and Huddersfield away. At the top of the table, though, lots going on this weekend. Most probably the Manchester derby uh, midway next week. Mm, uh, Exact day, 5am start. Yeah, that'll be big. Um, I think the Wolves-Arsenal, that's just for Arsenal making sure they try and get that top four spot. And, 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 And I'm looking again, you know, Brighton going to Tottenham, they're not going to get anything there, and um, and most probably Manchester City against Tottenham again on Saturday is one of the highlights. Mm, mm. Um, nice early start, 9:30 p.m. And, our time. And and the one that's most probably that's just snuck under the radar, Rob, mm. is Newcastle who are 15th against Southampton, mm. two points gap, but whoever gets anything out of that, they're safe. And, and, and it'll be all done and dusted. So even a draw most probably will suit both of them. And then I think really it's a two-horse race below them. Going now to the championship. Now, in the championship, as we all know, there's plenty going on there week in, week out. But it's tightening really, really, really tough at the top. Um, Norwich are on 86. Leeds are on 82. Sheffield United on 79. These are the playoff spots now with West Brom on 73. Aston Villa 69. And rounded up with Bristol City on 65. However, Bristol City and Derby have a game in hand on there. Where Middlesbrough on 64. Derby on 63. Hull City uh, Jack, own Jackson Irvins. Hull City on 60. And just on a real outside chance, Sheffield Wednesday. And I don't think you can go beyond that, even though John Beckett would love me to throw (laughs) Nottingham Forest in at 57 points. At the bottom of the table, Ipswich pretty well down. So is Bolton. But it's getting tight now, a real tight affair at the bottom where Rotherham, Wigan, Millwall, Reading and Birmingham. It's it's now really between the six points in there. I think one more win for Birmingham, the safe. But then it's going to be a fight between Reading, Millwall, Wigan and Rotherham. The good news is as well for Bolton, they they didn't go into administration. They've mm-hmm. been bought out by the the I think he's the the past Watford owner. Yeah. Don't quote me on that. I think, but that's what it was. But that's good news. Everybody gets paid. 
They don't go into administration. There's no points deduction to my knowledge. So that's most probably a real. So Dino, um, out. So we, we so we know Ipswich and Bolton are going to go down unless Bolton do something absolutely no, amazing. It won't, it won't happen, happen. Rob. So who who do you think out of um, of uh, bearing in mind that Mill have got that game in hand? So uh, um, so there's there's four points separating uh, Reading. On 44 with Wigan and, and Rotherham on 42 and 40 respectively. So uh, well, when when Derby put six past Rotherham a couple of weeks mm. back, I thought that's them done. But they've 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 turned it around in the last couple of weeks, and and got some results. And and I think most probably it's it's going to be out of Rotherham, and I think Millwall will get out because of the game at hand. So I think it's going to be just between Wigan and mm. Rotherham. I think that's where that's where the coin toss will be, and I think right. it will go right down to the okay. Wire. Then the other end. So um, Norwich uh, going up, uh, we, we can comfortably yeah, think, say that. I think so, yeah. Um, Leeds not guaranteed because um, Sheffield United are, are just three points away, 82 and 79 points. Uh, but you'd think that uh, the baggies on 73 are in the playoffs. Uh, Villa 69. Yeah, um, they're safe. They're, they're definitely in It's there. that last spot really, isn't it? But yeah, it where, is. It's where that 65 spread. points, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's really between um, Bristol, Middlesbrough and, and your mob, really. Garden. I think um, Jackson's... Uh, Mob, uh, Getting beat last week hurt them, didn't yeah. it? Yeah, and particularly with Derby having that game in hand, um, that that's that's the big deal. But the thing is that so do Bristol. I, I would have thought that it's really between Derby and and, and um, Bristol City, yeah, uh, uh, between those two to get that that final spot. So it's really tight, though, isn't it? Mm, mm, absolutely. All right, Dino, great stuff, mate. Um, listen, uh, Edge is gone. Um, we um, we've waved him goodbye. We have. Um, we're going to just do stoppage time all on our own, so aren't we? Yeah, looking forward to it. All right, stick around. Um, Next, stoppage time on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is stoppage time on Box to Box. The fourth official signals. There are nine minutes left to go in this show. Michael is long gone. Um, He's uh, just too heavily involved in international negotiations around football. Where will the next (laughs) World Cup be? Who will be the next team Could in be the A? In back garden. Absolutely. But uh, no, he's gone. Farewell, Edge, if you're listening. Um, and Willem, hope you're enjoying your break. Yeah, good on you, Willem. So, uh, look, there was you've got um, a, a story that you want to run with in terms of some predictions, but there was one uh, um, little piece that I, I did want to um, bring to the attention of uh, our listeners, and that is that uh, the the biggest story of internationally this week was obviously the uh, the catastrophic fire at uh, the Notre Dame Cathedral and uh, amongst the many um, individuals and organizations and governments uh, around the world some, who, some money being put in from these individuals as oh well. absolutely yeah, it sure three is three of the uh, richest people I think it was in France have donated mm, yeah yeah to, to rebuild the uh, 850 year old masterpiece um, League One leaders PSG have pledged to support both the restoration efforts and the emergency services who battled the fire uh, in the aftermath of the fire that ravaged part of Notre Dame de Paris Cathedral, Paris Saint-Germain, shares the immense emotion of all Parisians, the French people and those around the world who have been shocked and saddened by the disaster, the club said in a statement on Tuesday. The club has already started to bring together all of its stakeholders, main partners and huge community of fans both in Paris and abroad, aiming to start or participate in a series 
series of initiatives such as fundraising efforts that will be part of the tremendous campaign to rebuild the cathedral in the years to come. So it's great to see that the world of football um, uh, have um, have uh, have come together with um, not only the rest of Paris, the rest of France, but um, uh, the um, yeah the, the effort. This will really help to coordinate um, football in France. The solidarity in the drama as um, the uh, uh, the league de uh, football professionnel in France. Uh, uh, President Nathalie Boy de la Tour said, "It's um, it, it, look out of crisis and disaster often comes the best of um, of uh, human nature." Absolutely, it, and, and you got to respect that. And it's great a football club, and you know that's the thing. Generally, these football clubs are the heartbeat of mm. even major cities, mm. as we all know. And we can't forget. And I know we're we're not a history show here, but uh, you know, in the modern era that we live in, where you know tall buildings and architecture and feats of engineering are, you know, uh, are just standard par for the course in the uh, history of mankind these buildings were the biggest most incredible buildings that that most people would see in their lifetime uh, before the era of skyscrapers these cathedrals were these were before the days that uh, that that um, the miracles of engineering had been co- oh, uncovered um, by the... And uh, I think that's uh, where Australia falls a little bit short because we're so young, really, mm, yeah. because of the history's not going back down mm. to the 10th. Well, we, we do have some, like, you know, in, in you know the 200-year history, we've got, uh, you know, the likes of St. Patrick's, St. Paul's, um, St. Mary's in Sydney and, and, and around the country. We do have some really old... I'm talking about but none of those, back to, yeah, like... Those medieval yeah. ones, 800 years ago. Yeah, that's a fair while ago. So Now, we've uh, got a little... A little tale to tell. So one of our little uh, pundits that uh, lives on the other side of the world, Mr. Mm. John Beckett, mm. was interested in our stoppage time last week. Oh, he thought it was a cooking it? show because we, if you remember, we yeah. were talking about what we're favourite food was well this was a history show this week johnny <laughs> as well so i thought and i didn't know you were going to do this so that <laughs> makes it even funnier because he's going oh we're going to history lessons now and johnny b wasn't too clever at um history anyway now i thought what we would do john is... it's not fair i mean you're old mate dino you're all the way over there on the other side of the world and he's just taking wax at you so well, i think we're gonna to have to get you back on again soon well he so certainly you can won't be surf. that day ditched me that, that time and uh, bullied me into it when I didn't know he was going to come on. Yeah, but that was Edgley's yeah, idea. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, I quite like that, actually. <laughs> now, um, we predict the A-League, the EPL, and the Championship from the very, mm, very mm. start before a ball's been kicked. Yep. And a lot of it is guesswork. You look at what teams have done the season before, you then you might see that a team's mm. brought in a new manager and think, oh, he's going to make the difference. And then we put all of this into the pot and we have to settle for it. And then there's a set of rules that if you get the right position, so I'll just give you a, for example, we'll just quickly do the A an A league is if you finish in the top six, you get points for that. And if you finish in the bottom three, you finish that, you get two points for getting the team that's not in the right position. But if you get the team in the right position, the exact position in that spot, for instance, let's say it was Perth Glory and they were one, you get five points. So that's how the rules go. So the scoreboards in the A-League is drum roll, is Rob on 11 points, but there is a few mitigating circumstances. He needs a little bit of luck in this next two games to maybe change that. Then there's Edge on 17 points, Rob, and Big Dino leading on 18. And that's only because mm. I've got Western Sydney Wanderers in eighth and Brisbane 
in ninth. Mm. And I don't think that's going to change. So I've got ton, 10 in the bank, and we, you just don't know what happens after that. Now, the bigger fish, we've got still four minutes to go. So we'll just quickly go through the EPL. So the same set of rules there. And we've got all the main suspects, you know, the cities, the United, Liverpool's, Arsenal's, Tottenham's, Chelsea's, all in the top four. But it's where they finish. And it makes a big difference if you've got what, and there's so many. And then when you go down the list, there's so many where mm. Rob's one behind. And if that team just gets <laughs> a point, he then gets fives. So scores on the doors in EPL land. Now, in third place, Dino, 23 mm. points. Ooh. In second place, Rob with 28. Oh. And leading, and it's a tight, really tight race. It's 29 points with Mr. Edgley. Uh-huh. Jeez, so he's got. So like, like for instance, he's got City winning the league here, mm. where you've got Liverpool winning the league, Rob. Mm. I've got City winning the league. Oh, jeez, I've just. So that's Liverpool what. But well, that's what I'm out. saying. That could be the difference. Yeah. Mm. Um. So anyway, that, so that that's that's the EPL. Now our favourite league, as we all know, um, is the Championship, and this is most probably the hardest one, in my opinion, to even start where do you mm. start with this mm, mm. i mean i'll just tell you some doozies i've got stoke city as does rob of winning the league well that certainly hasn't happened mm. and it would and didn't happen um but i got i had birmingham in the drop zone and then all of a sudden i'm thinking well where's that come from and if you think about it i didn't even know about the deduction and and, and you know the uh, the, the, the the rules where they've they've deducted nine points. So all of a sudden that became a reality that it might be there. But we had teams like, for instance, let's look at Norwich. We just use Norwich as an example who are absolutely flown. I've got them as long as <laughs> the same with you, Rob. And mm. we all did this independently. Yeah. We both had them in 14th spot. Wow. And Edge, where does Edge have them? Uh, Edge has them in 11th spot. Mm-hmm. So how far can you get it wrong? But anyway, little drum roll, uh, just to finish off. Uh, the leaderboard, and again, I ain't doing too well here, but I know I'm only a whisker away from five points. Mm-hmm. Is I'm on 12 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, Edge is on 15, and clubhouse leader is Mr. Rob Gilbert on 19. Thank you very much, ladies Thank and gentlemen. Go. So there you go. So a little bit of excitement, but this will all be revealed, and it's mm. the ones who lead it mm-hmm. don't have to pay for the chinese dinner we have on that on that show <laughs> oh that's our end of that, uh season end of dinner. season show yes. yeah excellent all right Dana, man, it's been a lot of fun um the um the scarlet pimpernel edgley has been <laughs> wafting in Twinkle and out toes, uh, reckon, exactly uh nigel on the buttons thank you yeah, as well always Nige. making sure we sound good um and uh you know polishing up all of our little uh, faux pas and errors as we go we don't make mistakes no of course we don't this is a perfectly produced show <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we wish you all the very best for Easter. Um, a safe and happy time with your family if you're taking a break. If you're driving as you listen to the show, enjoy your break. And uh, we will be back again next week for the final round of the A-League and everything else that's going on in the world game next week on Box to Box.